Cafe. World is full of wonders. Fade Walker. Tea. The Fade Cafe. Sneaky son of a... 3G. The Fade Cafe. I suspect you have questions. The Fade Cafe. Welcome back to the Fade Cafe, the final episode of 2022. I'm Cafe 3G, he, him. And I'm Uni Fade Walker, also he, him. And we're just two Bioware bros who like to talk about Bioware things. Uh, we're taking a little bit of a break this episode, though, to talk about some of the things that happened in 2022 that we really, really enjoyed. And there's a lot to talk about. This has been an, uh, an incredible year for uh, the video game industry. You know, we had amazingly massive AAA games like God of War Ragnarok came out this year. Elden Ring came out this year. We also had small indie titles that absolutely shook the industry, like for example, Stray. Mm, which was one of the ones that I played, and I'm pretty sure I played it this year. And it was um, a, a really fun experience. It was uh, the, the concept is you play a cat, which I've never seen in a game before and to date. And it was genuinely fun. And I genuinely um, cried during that game it was it was really touching it was cozy i loved the concept i loved the atmosphere the music the sounds everything about it was was really enjoyable for a game where the dialogue was limited from the character that you play to meows and chirps and just a cute little ginger cat with a backpack and a robot friend you know what i mean it was just it was really really fun i think that people really underestimate the amount of joy that you can give a gamer by giving them a single button that you can press to make your creature on the screen meow Seriously. Um, more of that, please. Can yes. we get more main characters that meow? That would be fantastic. <laughs> it's like in uh, uh, Untitled Goose Game where you have the one button that is honk. And it's just yes. like that is the greatest invention in an indie game ever is just this button makes your character make a sound. And it really doesn't matter that you're making that sound, but it matters to the player that you're making that sound. Yeah. Respect the honk or you get the bonk. <laughs> love it. Peace was never an option. <laughs> never an option. Uh, one of my favorite games that I played this year, hands down, was actually, I should say, my favorite game that I played this year uh, was Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, if you've not played any of the Xenoblade Chronicles game, I played all of them in 2022. Uh, I started with Xenoblade Chronicles 1, which I thought was okay. I know that's a hot take among a lot of people online. Um, the first game is a slog to get through. The story is interesting enough, but the characters are not very well written, and the female characters are very terribly written. Um, oh no. Yeah, it's bad. Like, one of the characters, her entire motivation is her boyfriend dies, and now she is following a new man. Uh, that is, like, her entire thing. Um, another Ooh. character is just the main character's girlfriend, and th then there's another mm. character that wants to be the main character's girlfriend. That's it. That's the representation in the game. It's bad. Uh, oh, no. The, the, the actual story is interesting, and it ends in a moment where you're like, oh, I didn't expect this game to become suddenly extremely philosophical by the end of the game. Um, so it's a fascinating game. Very flawed I did enjoy it, but it was okay. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a much different animal in that they have learned that they have to actually write female characters, so they do write better characters. Unfortunately, the character designs didn't catch up to them, so you have characters like, for example, Mithra and Pyra in that game who have breasts that are the size of watermelons, um, and it's... 
It's very, very male gazy. Um, the writing is very heartfelt and the story is really good. It doesn't quite reach the heights that it needs to, the emotional highs that it needs to. So it's still a very, very flawed game. It's very fun. The gameplay is so much better than the first game. Um, and by the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm ready for this game to be over. Xenoblade Chronicles 3, from the moment I turn that damn game on and you meet the main characters, you meet uh, Noah, Uni, Lans, Senna, and Tyon, you get everybody in the party within the first hour of the game, and that is your main party. They stick with you for the next 150 hours. And it is so good. Oh my god. Every moment of that game, the writing is stellar. There are moments where the, the, the voice acting can be a little bit, you know, over the top and melodramatic, but, you know, it's a JRPG. What can you do? They, they, they're all like mm. this at some point. Um, but the entire game's thesis is specifically fighting against systems of power that are forcing you to fight others for no reason. And once you break those shackles, it's about building communities and connecting communities together through mutual aid. That's it. It's so freaking amazing. You meet a character in the game that is non-binary and they are never misgendered. They're always nice. just they and they are awesome and they are a badass and they're one of the heroes that you can have in your party. And then by the end of this game, um, I'm, I'm being perfectly honest at the point that I'm at right now uh, at the time of this recording, I haven't finished the game, but I'm at the point where they have told you you're at the point of no return. You walk through this door and the game is going to be over. So I'm just finishing up a bunch of side quests around the map. But this is one of the first games that I have played in a long time where I've hit uh, a point where I'm like, I want to hundred percent this. Because I care so much about the characters, I care so much about the world, I care so much about the story, and everything. The gameplay is so much fun. If you never play another Xenoblade game, play this one. It's that good. And it is, it does have its flaws. Um, and it's it's primarily around the way that they have their sound accessibility settings. Um, but overall, this game is like a revelation. It is so incredible and powerful, and the emotional highs of the game legitimately made me ball massive, massive tears. It's so, so, oh. I could talk about this game for like hours. It's so good. The way in which the characters actually grow through the course of the story is fascinating. They do ship characters in a kind of heterosexual way. But the thing is, you believe it by the end of the game because of the way in which the characters start interacting. You see them play off each other. They argue, they fight, but they fight in an endearing way and they fight about real issues interpersonally. So it's cool it's like really thoughtful and well done seeing these young people come together and actually care about each other in ways that are beyond country and race and uh and time and it's so cool ah my god that game is amazing i personally put it as my game of the year um but i know that that's not uh everybody's cup of tea i did enjoy elden ring i thought it was good but it just I didn't will, grip me I I will add Xeno. What was it? The third Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah, Xenoblade I'll Chronicles. I'll add it to my playlist. You've sold it to me. I'll, yeah, I want to see what I'll, I want to see what it's about. I, I mean, I'll tell you, it's still very not queer. <laughs> <laughs> because we I need more queer. Yeah, we do need more queer. We need more gay in games, and um, if mm. we can get more gay in games, that'd be great. And I'm I'm looking forward to if they, uh, if they actually do go come around to creating a Xenoblade Chronicles four. Um, I do highly recommend. Um them 
actually talking to some queer people and including more queer stories. They did do that for their que- uh, their non-binary character. They had a, uh, a, a consultant that was non-binary. The voice actor is non-binary. Just love that. Very, very, very well done. Ah, that game rocks. It's so good. And the music oh, yeah. is is top tier, like the best soundtrack mm-hmm. of the year, hands down. Love, love some more representation for the non-binaries. Love that. One of the I other things that we played this year was Endwalker. I know it didn't release. I was yeah, I know it didn't release in 2022, but uh, uh, but Endwalker did come out. And Ed, you had a lot of thoughts about that one, too. I did. Um, Endwalker was one of my favorite things. And like we said, we know that it came out at the end of the previous year, but I was playing it into the beginning of this year. And honestly, um, Endwalker and Shadowbringers were, were two of my favorite expansions. And to play them back to back, because um, I was late coming to Final Fantasy fourteen, so I'd been catching up with Shadowbringers up until the point when Endwalker came out, so I could go literally back to back, finish Shadowbringers, go straight into Endwalker. And it was fan fantastic i cried the ending i'm not going to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't got there yet but oh my god the ending was everything i wanted and more now obviously with more of the patches that are coming in with current final fantasy 14 i'm just a huge huge final fantasy i love final fantasy 14 and i didn't think i was going to like final fantasy as an mmo because i'm an avid final fantasy player so the thought of going into an mmo was weird to me but i gave it a shot and honestly um i love mmos um uh, it was nice because like I used to play World of Warcraft, but then everything with Blizzard got weird. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to come over to a different MMO and Final Fantasy XIV uh, was the one that I picked. And uh, so far it's been my favorite thing. Like that's what I do when I want to, because obviously like I stream games on Twitch. That's uh, like I'm a full-time streamer. But in my personal time, when I want to unwind with a game, Final Fantasy XIV is where I go to. And honestly, I have an awful lot of emotion for Endwalker between um the characters the story and just the development of the things how the, the the different characters from other expansions came in and were were turned into like main characters and just the the way that they're written the the interactions and stuff and the gameplay itself all of these um new classes that we got were were fun and um personally i thought um it was it was fantastic that's where most of my energy went at the beginning of the year. Endwalker had one of my favorite moments in story in a video game, too, because, uh, again, not spoiling anything, there's a moment in a place we will call Elpis where you meet certain characters that you've known for a while, um, and you meet them in a different form, and it is incredible like we talk about lore dumps in bioware well this ended up being a massive lore dump in final fantasy 14 lore and it's the like i i can't i can tell you that i spent probably the majority of the time that i played endwalker the majority of the hours i think it was like over a hundred hours of of gameplay time um and the majority of that time was spent in elpis just doing stuff there because of how incredible and how interesting all of the conversations you can have with the NPCs around there. And also the dungeon that you do at the end of it is phenomenal. Like so cool and so like gripping. Um, and obviously the final mission is um, I was I was I was a, a, a complete mess by the time the uh, the final mission happened. It was so good. The thing I liked about Elpis and seeing all of these characters that we've known about, all of these characters that are either seen as gods or um, powerful entities and stuff. It's a correlation that I want to bring to uh, what I want from 
either Dreadwolf or a future Dragon Age game where we can actually, like, all of these gods and all-powerful entities suddenly became people. Mm -hmm. And I cannot wait. I want either a flashback or an opportunity to go and see the elven gods as people. And it's just something that is really exciting for me. It's something that is really... It's really personable, and one of them was voiced by um, voices from 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 Dragon Age. Yeah. So it was really nice to hear um, Aveline's voice actors in there. Um, there are other voice actors from the Dragon. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm trying that not moment, to spoil anything that moment, for anyone. The, all I'll say is the I, walk. It's the walk is like yep. one of the most incredible moments in story in MMO history. It's so extremely powerful. And I'm just like, ah, <laughs> yeah, if you if you guys are Final Fantasy fans, but you don't want to give uh, an MMO the time of day, I highly recommend giving um, critically acclaimed MMORPG Final Fantasy four, uh, 14 a go. It's free until level 60, I think it is. You get the first um, base game and the first expansion for free. So it's really not harming anyone. We're not even sponsored by them. I just genuinely like this game. <laughs> it's, it's so well done. The writing is so good. The music is so good. And like, just as you said, the way that they kind of filter in characters from other expansions and even the base um the vanilla game they start bringing in characters that were important in the first few hours of your gameplay and hey guess what they're also important now too and they have a story to tell as you're continuing along with this expansion it's so good i need to play the patches so but you know losing your job you kind of have to start cutting costs where you can and one of the first ones i did is i had to i had to cancel my subscription so i'll i'll get back into understandable yeah i'll get back into 14 again in the future was there another remember, game oh go ahead smile best fits a hero i just want to tell you <laughs> i don't know if you know this but and i know this is a visual medium oh, oh no. i have I don't want to spoil anything i don't want to spoil anything but what I have is one of my favorite characters for Final Fantasy XIV. I have him on a pillowcase, and he sits right on my back every day that I sit in my computer chair. He's always right here, and it's because he is. He, I know that he always has my Smile. back. Um, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Come into my house. <laughs> Ask me to do a podcast. <laughs> <sighs> oh my god it's not it's not a game but i would like if you're up for it i would like to talk about house of the dragon because i love game of thrones and we were burned no pun intended so bad by the the later seasons of game of thrones so when house of the dragon was announced i was like oh no here we go again and honestly, um, when I watched House of the Dragon, especially because like people were saying Matt Smith is Damon, all we're gonna see is the goofy doctor. Like that's <laughs> all we're gonna see is just Damon Targaryen being like the goofy uh, doctor that Matt Smith plays. And uh, what's he was the eleventh doctor? I think he was like just I, seen I'm eleven not, walking down I'm the not street. A, unfortunately, I'm not a Hoovian, so I'm not certain. <laughs> But he was phenomenal. Like, as the unhinged Damon Targaryen, honestly, Matt Smith was fantastic. And I thoroughly enjoyed House of the Dragon. I'm trying to get my partner to watch it because it's just such a nice return to form. And there's, like, non-binary actors in there. And um, 
all of the just I don't know just the it's it's a nice return to Game of Thrones. The tension is there, the the atmosphere is there, the characterization is there, the dragons, all of their uh, designs and stuff are fantastic. And my boy Aemond, as soon as that eye patch dropped. I knew I had to cosplay him and, and his cosplay that I, I I threw together a cosplay. I made the eye patch and everything and I hated it because um, it was so thrown together. It was terrible. But when I put it all on, I was just like, yes, yes, I need to like make this better. I, I knew I, I just had to cosplay this character because it's 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 just so good. Um, the way that he's represented and interpreted into into the TV show just made me super, super happy. I'm just really happy that Game of Thrones fans are finally able to have something to look forward to again, um, mm -hmm. because the original series ended on such a terrible note. It it got so, to the point so where like it, the final season after that dropped, nobody was talking about Game of Thrones within three months. Like it was oh. it was that bad. It had lost all credibility. It had lost almost its entire fan base. The subreddits had basically turned into just meme factories of people crapping all over the series. It was bad. It was. And as somebody who's read the books, it's really, really unfortunate. It's it's yeah. because they're so, so good. Um, and they then are. you get to House of the Dragon coming out, and then finally people are actually excited about this series again. They see these characters that were only like, you know, you only get very, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, like, it's uh, it's based on a specific book, uh, Fire and Blood by George R. R. Martin. So it's it's like a lot of the characters are only given like really dry introductions and are only really dryly written about. And to see them put to screen in such a um, beautiful way and a fascinating way. And yeah, in Matt Smith's case, a terrifying way. It's really, really, really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited yeah. to get more into the series. Uh, I haven't started watching um, a whole lot of it, but uh, but I'm I'm. Oh, very I, I highly to... recommend it. The book was written as like a a, t a textbook written from yeah. the perspective of Maesters, so it wasn't even like uh, we we weren't reading it like the Game of Thrones books. We were reading it as it was happening, whereas this was like a recap of Maesters talking about history. So to see it um, given life uh, and and to watch it actually play out as if we were watching, you know, like it in 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 the time that it was happening is, mm -hmm. is so much better. Um, it's so much nicer to have all of these. Um, characterizations and all these like um very strong personalities all coming together and clashing um I, i'm thoroughly enjoying it and I, I do recommend it if people are nervous about it because of how terrible um game of thrones ended i do recommend for me personally it was a, it was a wonderful return to form for game of thrones and on that note one of my favorite things in tv this year easily is andor uh, I don't know if you've mm. watched Andor at all. But, I have not watched Andor, no. Um, without spoiling anything, um, I can say that it is a brilliant look at um, the ground level of characters in the Star Wars universe. Um, and again, a very good return to form of, uh, of Star Wars because we've seen, we actually see like people who are not really interested in the rebellion becoming radicalized to be interested in the rebellion through actions of the fascist overlords. Uh, and you start seeing the cracks of fascism with the empire and like how it's a strict bureaucracy and people who are just working by the book are doing mundane tasks of evil and how they go about doing it is so cool. And you see a character go from 
not really caring about the the rebellion to being one of the figureheads of the rebellion. Again, that's not a spoiler. That's just how the series goes. There are three arcs in the series, and each one of them is one of the best parts of that genre of fiction that has come out this year. So, like, the characters are really very believable. By the end of the series, you're, like, on your feet screaming. It's great. Um, and everything about the show is is perfectly done. It's very grungy and grimy. It's very fun. It has moments where it's very funny. And uh, yeah, it's if if you have any interest, you don't even have to have an interest in Star Wars to know that it is a very, very, very good show. And the way in which people are talking about it is not being hyperbolic. It's very, very good and is one of the best shows that came out this year. Uh opinion at least i'll i'll need to check it out i've been trying to keep up like i watched the mandalorian when it came out and then i kind of fell off um the star wars because like i haven't seen um obi-wan um i haven't seen that series no but andor i tried to give the lord of the rings prime um was it the the rings of the power. rings of power i, I, I tried yeah. to watch that i think i watched a couple of episodes and i fell off that as well not because like i thought it was bad but it just didn't um, retain my attention the way that um, House of the Dragon did. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's probably just for me, like that's that's no dig at the show or anything, but just for me personally, I wanted to enjoy both, but I ended up watching one, all of one and only some of the other. And I, I just thought that was um, really interesting. I did like um, a lot about the first episodes of The Ring of Power that I watched. Like the, the, the dwarves were fantastic. Um, loved the representation for the dwarves. Um, I know that people had a, a a problem with one of the dwarven characters, and I thought she was fantastic. So <laughs> get up, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, that's that's one of those shows. Uh, another one that I because I'm a I'm a huge Tolkien nerd, so um, mm-hmm, I've been same. I've been really 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 interested to to watch that, but. I don't have Prime Video, so I can't. <laughs> uh, maybe when the new uh, uh, Critical Role series comes out next year, early next Season year, two. we'll have to get that. And then maybe I'll try to slide in a little bit of Rings of Power, too, on top of uh, watching some Crit Roll. So. I am going to get my Percy cosplay back out for season two of Critical Role. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. It, was that this year? Did uh, the Crit Roll show come out this year? Or was that? I think oh it goodness, was. That's a highlight. That is definitely that's a, highlight a highlight then. Because uh, Legend of Vox Machina it. was amazing. Like that was a great yeah. series. Yeah, it was. It was so fun. Uh, it was really, really fun to see it put to the screen, obviously, because like I watched that part of the Briarwoods uh, story arc was one of the ones that I watched when they were doing it live so it was really cool to see it put to animated form especially because like it just reignited my desperate need to cosplay both Percival and Vaxel Dan so mm-hmm. I did and that was really really fun so I'm excited for season two January 25th 2022 so we did it it is it is a part of uh, uh, a 2022 highlight so yeah and, and I would and like I would like to add it to our highlight reel hell yes um another one that was <laughs> uh that was that was fabulous this year was uh watching um I I actually went back and watched the owl house um hmm. because uh I had heard good things about it and you want to talk about a show that has great representation yeah that show is incredible and the mm-hmm. We're currently in the process of seeing the final season play out in a really unfortunate way, which is only three episodes and they're extended episodes, but there's only three episodes for the final season. But the first two Mm -hmm. seasons of that show are very solid. Great representation. Mm -hmm. It's very funny. 
you have a character that is non-binary that is introduced in the show. Um, you have mm. characters that are very, very, very queer. Um, you have a bisexual mess of a main character. Um, and it's it, like, I mean, it's it's a character that not only is wearing a bisexual pin, but is like holding up a sign that says, hi, I'm bi to her mom. Yeah. So it's like actual representation in a in a kid's show. And it's very, very, very well done. And um, I love I, it. And and I only just discovered it this year, so I, I highly recommend um, that people go back and watch that too. We got some good trans representation. There was a Baymax episode where um, one of the characters um, started their period and Baymax had to go and get them like tampons and stuff. And there was a trans man who recommended a pro uh, like, and it wasn't just like a trans man. He was literally wearing a trans flag t-shirt. So it was blatant trans representation so that was fantastic um and it, it not only normalized trans people in general but it normalized the concept of like you know trans men also menstruate like myself mm -hmm. so it was really nice to see that normalized and just you know as part of the episode like he was look, he was looking for like he was he said like what what products do you recommend uh, and they were just giving their recommendations and it was nothing abnormal at all. It was just lovely. And it, uh, I thought it was fantastic representation there. 2023 is going to be the year that we start seeing more diverse representation like that. So we should get more trans men. We should get more non-binary people in media just in general and not have them be like otherworldly beings. Just regular people who happen to be non-binary would be really, really freaking fantastic and not have I their agree. entire um, their entire story arc revolving around them being non-binary like exactly let's just make it normal just yeah. people being people that just so happen to be either trans gay bi and non-binary do you know what i mean or straight exactly. okay let's get the tolkien straight in why not yeah exactly <laughs> that's the way it's gonna go in fact i want them to be the tolkien straight so i want them to be the one that is straight and is very very into lord of the rings the tolkien straight <laughs> the i love tolkien that straight. yes jrr <laughs> tolkien straight I know, I know that person. They're lovely. They are. I have a friend that is just the Tolkien straight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got, I've one got of one of those other. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone should have one. I love Tolkien. Uh, one of the uh, biggest highlights for me this year was the Netflix show The Sandman, the adaptation of The so Sandman. So good. Oh my God, it was it's so good. Good. I remember being introduced to The Sandman because The Sandman is as old as I am. I believe it was written in 87 and then it was released, I think, in 89. So it's, re it's as old as I am. Mm -hmm. But I was introduced to it in university because when I was in university, I did art, storytelling, character design, all of that kind of stuff. Animation, film, sculpture, blah, blah, blah. You name it, I did it. Um, and one of my uh, characters that I brought to university reminded one of my classmates of Dream and they said oh are you a Sandman fan I was like I've never heard of Sandman in my life and then they showed me the comics and I fell in love um, and we have albeit uh, Desire is an, uh, another worldly being however the actor is non-binary so we have more non-binary people in media and Mason is wonderful in the sense that I have seen them um, defending trans people and, and defending non-binary people on Twitter and they, they've been really nice to my partner. They met them um, at a con uh, because my partner does a Desire cosplay and Mason knows them and it's, it's, they've been really, really nice. So it's really nice to see not just more non-binary people in media 
but also defending um, other trans people, uh, bigging up the, the cosplay community and being real, really nice to people who I know directly, like my literal partner um, only has nice things to say about Mason. So we love that. But um, that's actually how me and my partner met because I cosplayed Dream and they cosplayed Desire. And then someone who knew both of us tagged me, I think, in their Desire cosplay on TikTok and said, hey, you should duet this person. And then the next thing I know, this person is flirting with me. And now we've been together for, for like months. So not only was The Sandman a huge highlight to me, it touched me not only as a story, but the, the characters, the portrayal of it. And I thought it was a really good adaptation. Netflix really, really, really good. I think Neil um, Gaiman was, was so involved with it that it just really shows the diversity of all, um, the I think it's episode six, the one where um, Dream and Death are talking. I was mm. bawling my eyes out. The, oh, the episode so in the cafe, the cinematography, the writing in that episode with the cafe scene uh, is, is phenomenal. I loved it. But not only did that all touch me deeply um, as a story, but it also led to me meeting my partner in a indirect kind of way. So it was a huge, huge, huge highlight for me. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, yeah, like you said, th this is a show that like has been on the table and has been in the works for so long at Netflix. I remember that originally Joseph Gordon-Levitt was attached to it. That's that's how long ago this was. This was like maybe 2011, 2012. And it took them so long to get this thing moving and off the ground that like people had fallen off during this entire time. Neil Gaiman was a part of the process, wanted to be a part of the process and actually believed in it because he was helping write it. He was helping produce it. He wanted it to be as close um, to the comic as he could. And yeah, it's it's incredible. They originally thought this comic could never be adapted into a TV show because mm -hmm. it's so it's complicated. The characters are so otherworldly and weird. There's a lot of special effects, but they made it work and they made it work yeah. in a really big way. I love how they portrayed the endless mm -hmm. because like um, there are so many different like people got I don't want to talk about all of the negative comments that came um, for the representation of death and for how other endless were um, represented. But I will, I 100% want to just give kudos to Neil who shut it down mm -hmm. as if it was the most ridiculous thing he had ever heard. Of course we could have um, a person of colour play death. Of course we could have, um, like, do you know what I mean? Like, of course we could. Death, death is... Universal. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, yes. <laughs> it's so ridiculous that that would even be debated. And the fact that Neil was like, this is so ridiculous that this could be debated right from the get-go was, was really, really, really nice. I think Neil described desire as beyond gender because everyone's desire is different and takes on different forms. So to have a non-binary person play desire was Fantastic. And again, just to put more non-binary people in that kind of representation into the media and into um, the public eye is fantastic. And I um, I know that Mason has had, because uh, now that a non-binary person is in the public eye, obviously it attracts both positive and negative attention. But like I say, I have seen Mason on Twitter shutting it down and defending it. So kudos. And thank you for everything that you're doing for the non-binary and LGBT and trans community, Mason, if you ever hear this. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, speaking of, <laughs> yeah. 
Speaking of queer representation in media, another amazing TV show had wonderful representation, and that is a little TV show on HBO Max called Our Flag Means Death. Um, ah, I still need to see this. Oh Apparently my God. it is so good. This, it is so gay and it is so good. Yes. And I love it. It is great. It was Taika Waititi attached project. Reese Darby from uh, Flight of the Concords. Love. And like they, they've done so much together. And now they're they're back together doing this, this show about a historically accurate uh, collaboration between two pirates. That is that is the it is historically accurate in that sense. In a lot of other senses, it's not historically accurate and it doesn't matter. They've taken these characters from history and have made something new out of them. There is non-binary representation in the show as well, where the character Jim, played by Vico Ortiz, is non-binary and the actual actor is non-binary as well. And just like you were saying um, that Mason has been very vocal about trans rights uh, on the Internet, Vico has been as well and vico has been great on tiktok if you're not already following them they are wonderful they duet a bunch of people that do the cosplays too and it's just so much fun to watch uh they uh they do a bunch of different gender bends of different characters and like different styles of uh, of cosplay themselves it's really really cool to see and and having more people uh with eyes on this type of representation in media is so cool and uh, I, I love that show with no spoilers attached to it. It is the kind of thing that's going to make you laugh really, really, really hard because it's very, very funny. But it's also going to make you cry very heavy tears. And I will never listen to a certain Fleetwood Mac song the same way ever again because of this <gasps> I damn love song. Mac. Yeah, no. it's they. Oh, there's this great needle drop in the show. And I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it is just <sighs> oh, it makes my bisexual heart beat so much faster. It's so good. Ah, it's great. I would have I I would have watched it already, but we don't have HBO. Like, oh I don't have an gosh. HBO channel here in Scotland. So I've been trying to find a way that I can watch it in Scotland without VPNing it. I mean We'll find um, a way. I I mean we'll hell. Friend, if you want to watch it, I am one hundred I've seen the series like three times now, all the way through. I, this is one of those shows that you throw on and it's like a comfort show. It's so good to mm -hmm. just go back and rewatch the whole thing. Um I will one hundred percent watch it with you if you find a way to watch yeah. it. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Oh, one last thing uh, is a more recent thing that I started doing. I don't know if you've ever heard of the video game Vampire Survivors. I haven't. Vampire Survivors is, I found out uh, uh, just this week, free on iOS. And I have lost many, many hours on my phone playing this game. It's basically a kind of tower defense sort of game um, where you can actually move your character around. You pick up power-ups on the map and you're just killing a bunch of baddies as you're wandering around. Um, it's really stupid fun. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect this game to be as like intricate as it is. There's no story. It doesn't matter. Um, but mm -hmm. speaking of amazing representation, uh, James Stephanie Sterling uh, wrote a lot of the um, bestiary entries in the game. So they're very trans and they're very fun and it's really great. Uh, so highly, yeah. I highly recommend it. It's like five bucks on Steam and it's very, very worth the uh, the amount of money and the amount of time that you're going to eventually <laughs> pour into this game. I've played it a lot on my phone and I've played it a lot on Steam and I'm just looking forward to more updates for Vampire Survivors. It's it's phenomenal. So I, I for the first time, 
picked up Overwatch and I didn't expect to ever play Overwatch but with season two came a character called Ramatra who has Dorian Pavis's voice actor yeah and I was like well I need to play it because Ramon's in it and now I unironically love playing Ramatra <laughs> like I've been <laughs> doing that in my spare time like if I'm not playing Final Fantasy 14 I'm trying to learn how to main Ramatra and to learn how to tank in Overwatch and I've been I've been enjoying it. I've made a couple of YouTube videos for my YouTube channel about it and it's just um me getting excited about it being Dorian's voice actor and then getting like a team kill at one point being like oh right <laughs> so it's been really really fun it's yeah, a nice little casual thing I love randomly hearing Ramon Tikram in like just random games oh, I think I played uh what was it Greedfall one time and mm -hmm. he plays like a really creepy character in Greedfall and as soon as I heard mm -hmm. his voice I was like oh my god it's him it's him and I like started <laughs> started breathing really heavy in my <laughs> I started coughing and then <laughs> uh, and then my, my heart started beating really fast and I just I didn't know what to do and then I was like oh no he's saying terrible things <laughs> mm -hmm. It's really funny because Ramon is uh, like over here in the in the UK. He appears really randomly in like terrible daytime TV. Mm -hmm. So like he was in EastEnders. Um, he was in Midsummer Murders. Um, I love a little bit of Midsummer Murders if I'm honest. It's not terrible. But every single time he like pops up, he's always like some kind of like either bad guy or some kind of side character or some kind of um, guy who dies. He was in Game of Thrones and he died in that. Mm -hmm. um, I love it when he pops up. Um, it's honestly one of my highlights. So whenever um, I hear that he's either in a game or like like an accessible game like Overwatch where I can just like download it straight away mm -hmm. and start playing, I was like, I'm there, I'm done. And now now I'm there, I'm down. But now that um, I'm playing it, I unironically am enjoying it. So <laughs> it's just a little bit of Overwatch now. But I only play Ramatra. I tried playing other characters and some of them are fun, uh, but I miss Dorian's voice. So it's just me and Ramatra now. It's 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 just a it's a, a it's a compulsion. It's a thing that we have to do. We find him and yeah. we must make sure that he is as close to us as we can possibly do. I, I just need to assimilate him and make him my entire personality, um, and then that'll be it. Thank you. That's my gender now. It's yes. Just <laughs> Uh, and in 2020, uh, 2023, 2024, whenever Dragon Age Dreadwolf comes out, we're just gonna, as soon as we discover Dorian, uh, find where he is in the game, we're just gonna make a save file right there so we can yep. always go and just have a conversation with him over and over and over again. Even if he's Absolutely. just an NPC and he's not a part of our party, we're still gonna make him, um, our, uh, the most, the most important thing in the entire game, so... Really, we stand Dorian Pavis in this podcast. <laughs> yes, uh, and that's actually something that I want to uh, transition to, which is uh, things that we're looking forward to in 2023. And the first thing that I think that both of us can say is more information about Dreadwolf. Yes, please. Um, even if it's just like little jibs and drabs here, just to let us know where it's going. We do know, like I said in the last episode, we know that the game is in alpha stage right now, so. Um, however long it takes for them to get to beta and then however long it takes for them to get to pre-release or whatever. But um, uh, it's it's in the works and it's ready to go at some point, hopefully soon. Um, but just so long as we get um, a fully fleshed out game that wasn't that isn't rushed and is, is, is exactly what the devs want, then I will be happy. I don't mind waiting. Little updates here and there would be lovely. A season two for Absolution would be yes. lovely to tide us over. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit more lore 
just to tide me over. Give us um, another I need to feast. Give us another spirit of wisdom. Give us another spirit yes, of please. wisdom. Just just to have the main character have an entire conversation with them for 45 minutes. The entire runtime of an episode plus an extra 15 minutes of them just discussing things with this spirit would be uh, another, like we would end up having a, an entire like five hour conversation just about that. I'm almost positive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I could talk about it for the for, for hours. You'd have to stop me, honestly. So I think that uh, that's probably going to do it for uh, for this podcast. Uh, we, we've kind of talked about the, the fun things that we've uh, we enjoyed and and if you have something that you enjoy as well please make sure to leave a comment on this podcast and let us know what it was and we'd love to hear from yes, you please. too on social media follow us at the fade cafe podcast on twitter uh and i think we do individually post on our um on our in on our instagrams we we do individually post on tiktok as well uh, under our handles, which you're going to hear at the uh, at the end of the episode. So please follow us and make sure that you um, you like, subscribe, all of that jazz. And also, very importantly, um, thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of our journey in creating this podcast. Uh, this has been, I know we're only three episodes in, but this has been such a blast. Uh, Eddie and I have been talking about doing this for many months, and I'm so happy that we finally got this off the ground and that it has been so well received as well. So thank you so much for your comments. Thank you so much for your likes. Thank you so much for your shares. Um, and yes, please continue to do so. It is totally free for you to uh, uh, to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and to share it with a friend. If you know somebody that enjoys Bioware content and silliness, I'm going to tell you, 2023 is going to be the year where we go off the rails in terms of lore dives. So please be ready for that. We're definitely going to do it. And if you have an, a suggestion of things to talk about, we do actually have um, we have a conversation about Aveline coming up uh, as well, because there's a lot to talk about with Aveline and her character between what happens in Inquisition and Dragon Age 2, and what happens in Dreadwolf. So we've got a whole thing planned out about that as well. So please, if you've got a suggestion for something uh, that you want us to cover, let us know. Yes, and thank you. Like um, like we were just saying, thank you very much for listening. And remember, if you know somebody who, who you think would enjoy listening to the podcast, then the best way to support the podcast is through word of mouth. Do tell your friends about it, share it. Um, all across social media if you can if you if you know um, Dragon Age forums or Dragon Age um, conversation uh, threads that would enjoy listening to our podcast then uh, do share and uh, from me personally from us and the podcast um, thank you very much for supporting us we hope you have a fantastic end to your 2022 and a fantastic beginning to your 2023 and Masaranis for listening thank you very much and remember to come back for more the fade cafe is a production of cafe 3g and unifade walker you can follow unifade walker at that handle on twitter twitch instagram and tiktok music and production by cafe 3g that's me you can follow me at cafe 3g on twitter twitch instagram and tiktok and if you enjoyed this episode leave us a five-star review and don't forget to subscribe ben harrell magilana venen it is done